This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to an extra edition of the Blood Red podcast, brought to you by the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host Theo Squires and joining me today is our Liverpool correspondent home and away, Paul Gorst. How are you, Gorsty? Yep, all good, all good. Um, another press conference today, wasn't there? More details and information to get stuck into, so um, yeah, plenty to talk about actually. Um, I know you did the podcast yesterday, but feels like things have moved on significantly in what 24 hours so uh, yeah quite a lot to, to talk about today yeah that's essentially why we're doing this extra episode because if you go through the press conference there was so much injury news and there's obviously been so many twists and turns with Mohamed Salah in the last yeah. few days uh, we'll just dive straight into it and we'll go with the big positive we'll get to Salah later and that is Andy Robertson is going to be back in the match day squad tomorrow I think that's come out of the blue a little bit we knew he was expected to be back soon maybe not quite this soon yeah, I mean, um, all the kind of updates has always been towards the end of January, hasn't it? And now, whether you consider this to be the end of January or what, still nine days left of January, mm-hmm. is it, as we're recording? So, um, yeah, it's a bit positive. Um, I think it caused a few people on, on the hop when it was announced just before the press conference by the club's official site. Obviously, Pep Linder sat down with them and, and gave them a raft of injury updates, and the biggest one being that um, Robertson is back, so he's... Um, I don't think he'll start. He'll obviously be in the squad. It'll be great just to see him back in the squad, won't it? You know, imagine a fit and fire and Andy Robertson for the final three months of the Premier League season will be huge for Liverpool. He obviously hasn't played since, when was it? Before October, wasn't yeah, it? October. Um, the October international break now. So he's been, a, he's been a big loss. But on the flip side, I think Simicast did really well in his absence and Gomez has been superb during their absence over the last month or so. So Liverpool have kind of ridden the storm really well there without the main left back and without the backup left back and then a kind of third choice um, recalling on back as well haven't he from his loan in Dundee so um, Liverpool done really well there actually on the left side of the fence but great to um, to get Robertson back in the squad for tomorrow and then uh, going forward he might get some minutes against Norwich might he on Sunday in the FA Cup and then you're looking at it thinking well how much can he play against Chelsea might even be in the team for Arsenal. Um, that might be a little bit too soon for him, you know, given the importance of that fixture and how little he's played. But um, a huge boost for Liverpool, and it'll be great to see him back. One of the real kind of leaders and characters in the squad, isn't he? Well, you say that about the leadership. If you look at who Liverpool lost in the summer, Henderson, yeah. Milner, Fabinho. Before that, they've lost Wijnaldum a couple of years ago. That's so much of the original leadership group that's gone. So that is a boost in itself. Even if you have to take a few weeks to get Robertson on the pitch, yeah. you've got your leader back in the dressing room to support uh, Alexander-Arnold, to support Van Dijk, Salah as well when he's back. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you look at how many kind of international captains Liverpool have got. You know, the Basley is the skipper of Hungary. Robertson, of course, for Scotland. Van Dijk for Holland. Salah for Egypt. We'll come on to him. Um so it's a real group of leaders um, and then a nice blend of, of young players who are desperate to kind of um, show that they belong on the on the top stage. So so the squad is, is really, really promising. You know, it's the fact that they've navigated that incredible injury run, really, over the last sort of, what, two months, maybe? Um, it does feel like they've been basically 10 players out for a good while now. Yeah, it's almost since the return of football from the international break, the yeah. November one. You know, Alisson went off in that one, didn't he? Alisson and Jota against Man City. Since then, McAllister, massive seasons over. Robertson, we already knew he was injured. Simakas has gone down. So, Bosley, Trent, you know, Liverpool have had injuries left, right and centre, really. And the fact that they've been able to navigate it uh, without losing a game, actually, is, um, well, I suppose they did lose against uh, 
Union San Gilois and the Indian Europa League, but that was pretty much a, a reserve team. Um, aside from that, Liverpool have done really well navigating it, not making it an excuse, not really having it become an issue where it's it's known externally. I think people who don't follow Liverpool as, as closely as as you know the likes of us and, and the supporters probably aren't quite aware of just how much you know or how big Liverpool's injury list has been in the last two months. So. The fact that they've come through it all is a um, huge testament to Klopp uh, and the players themselves who, who are fit and the ones who've been playing. And now you're just looking at it thinking, is that thing starting to change on the injury front? You know, it was a Bosley and um, Costa Simakas, there was an update on him as well, wasn't there? And uh, we know Matt was out for the season. But, you know, in the next couple of weeks, you're looking at it and you're thinking Liverpool might have as, as close to a full complement of players as, as they have done for months. And when you do get these players back from injury, there is a knock-on on who's been doing well in their, their place. Like Joe Gomez, he's been superb at left-back. They've yeah. called Owen Beck. You may be thinking that he could start that game against Norwich on uh, Sunday, but now is that one where you want to give Andy Robertson minutes and then, well, his future, he's played for Liverpool, he's played for Dundee. Yeah. If you loan him out, you can only go back to Dundee or is he just in the 21s for the rest of the season? You've got to keep everyone happy. It's going to be a different challenge for Jurgen Klopp's second half of the season. It will, you know, it's totally different really to what, what he's had to do in the, in the last sort of two months. Like, like we say there, it feels like, he, you know, Klopp's had two subs that he could make each game in the last sort of month or so, and, and it's basically been grabbing back if he hasn't started and one of the forwards, whether it be Gakpo or Nunes or, you know, whatever. But now, getting Robertson back, you know, hopefully Zabozlai. Another update was Trent, wasn't it? I think he said yeah. he'll be okay for the FA Cup on, on Sunday against Norwich. You know, I'd be surprised if he played in that. Well, certainly if he started, you know, Cotter Bradley certainly got the, the bit between the teeth, hasn't he, from uh, Bournemouth. So you'd imagine he'd be given another run. But it's just great that, that these players are coming back. You know, Certainly Trent, you know, we, we, we were kind of told that Chelsea is the one that he's targeting on the 31st of January. Um, so if he is fit enough to be part of the squad on Sunday, you'd imagine he'd, he'd start that one against Chelsea. And, and that's a huge game, I think, in Liverpool's Overall Premier League season. Um, so Bosley probably could have done with the rest, if we're honest. I think we've spoken a lot about how much he's played, haven't we? So, um, you know, that injury might even have been a blessing in disguise. So we'll see if he's um, able to play a part tomorrow or the weekend. Um, but yeah, certainly um, in terms of injury updates in a press conference, this was probably one of the better ones for Liverpool. And maybe it, it was aided a little bit by Linders being able to... Um, Divulge a little bit more than what yeah. Klopp does at times. I think it might be fair to say that. So, uh, yeah, good news on the injury front and uh, long may I continue. Uh, before we go through the rest of the names, I'll just pause to remind viewers that we are live. So if you've got any questions, get them in on Facebook, get them in on YouTube. It is the transfer window, so I'm sure Wilson would love yeah. to answer your transfer questions. Um, but, yeah, we've got plenty of uh, injury stuff to get through as well. You, you've touched on a few of the names there, but one you haven't is Curtis Jones. Mm. Obviously, it was a bit yeah. of a scare at the weekend when he came off. They were worried that he might have done a muscle injury. Yeah, yeah. But the update is he's fine. It's like Gravel <clears throat> Bircher, I think, was he the United game where he came off and they said it was just fatigue? Yeah, he had, he had that Dom's issue, isn't it, which is obviously fatigue-related injury. Yeah, uh, it was a bit of a worry, that, because, you know, he was feeling the thing at the back of his left left leg, uh, and you were thinking, was that, was that another muscle injury? Is that another hamstring? And the way Liverpool's luck has been on the injury front, you're feeling the worst, aren't you? But, yeah, Linders today with, with another positive update saying that he was fine, and, you know, that means that he might go back into the team tomorrow um, or the weekend or both. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... It was vital that he wasn't injured, really, given the, you know, <clears throat> you look at sort of the last 
was it nine months or so, Curtis Jones, since he broke into the team again? You know, I think he's, he's been superb. But he's had he had the sender off, didn't he, against Tottenham, and then he had the injury when he came back and hasn't quite been able to build up those levels that he was at towards the end of last season until about three, four weeks ago. Um, and he's really starting to establish himself again as a as a real serious member of that midfield department. So it's great that he's cleared to play. And, yeah, um, everywhere you look, really, you know, the, the stars are starting to align, aren't they, on, on the injury front? And, you know, the, the physios and the, um, the fitness coaches and all that probably deserve um, a massive pat on the back for getting everyone back. And you look at a couple of these injuries, Jones feeling something, Sabosley, it's because of the injuries elsewhere, and this is something Klopp's uh, pointed out before, that when you've got players who are out, you have to rush them back, yeah. and then the ones yeah. who are playing, they pick up something because they're playing more. Like you're saying, the stars are aligned because you've got Sabosley, you can be back potentially for the weekend. Same for Trent, if not, just get through Norwich, and you're looking at those two massive games against Chelsea mm. and Arsenal. That I think everyone's been picking out since the start of the season when the fixtures came out. You always knew that was going to be a decisive point in January. Yeah, and I, th- I thought it was interesting from Linders today saying that you know everyone is is chipping in because they're still in all the competitions. So you know if a player's not playing at the weekend in the Premier League, they're looking ahead thinking, well, there's a cup game on Wednesday, might be playing in that, put a little bit of ex- extra effort in, go the extra mile, and all that type of stuff. So everyone is kind of playing the part, and I think the way Klopp has kind of juggled things has, has been masterful, really, in, in um, you know, the amount of subs who are making an impact when they come on. I think Liverpool have scored 30 goals from substitutes alone this season, which is a remarkable number, really. Um, and it's testament to the, the overall quality of the squad. You know, you, you look at someone like Conor Bradley, he was only making his Premier League debut on Saturday, uh, Sunday, but thought he, he was excellent. I know you spoke about him on yesterday's pod, but um, just everywhere you look, there's no-one who isn't really playing the part. And if you think in a few weeks' time when everyone is fit and ready for selection again... Klopp's going to have the kind of selection headaches that he loves loves to have. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And then you just look at maybe a little bit further down the line at the likes of Bichetic and, and Thiago and thinking, might even they be, be ready to play a part in the last few weeks of the season, last couple of months maybe. Um, so, yeah, all round good news on the injury front, which is... Um, Bit of a rarity, actually, but uh, very welcome. Those are the updates we've had recently, aren't they? The fact that um, Thiago Bessetic, I think the aim was February for them. That's mm-hmm. been put back a few times. We got one from Pep Linders as well on Costas Simicas. I think when he first broke his collarbone, we're expecting that to be a few months. Yeah, it's now yeah. looking like he'll be back in trading yeah. in two, three weeks' time. That squad is all coming together at the same time to the extent that you look at the injuries. Matip out for the season. Doke, maybe April. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is going to be available. And then you do get that flashback to when they were going for four trophies two years ago, when it did all come together in February and they went really strong on that running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, <clears throat> like I say, it's, um, you think of the way Klopp has been able to, to rest and rotate and, and juggle the options or make the kind of telling subs at the right time. You just wonder what Liverpool are able to do if they can do that with a full complement of players. You know, I think Liverpool absolutely missed Diogo Jota last month against Arsenal and certainly against Manchester United because he was injured. You know, if he was able to make that sub, might the Premier League table look a whole lot better than it already does. Um, so you, you'd imagine if Klopp does have those changes to make in the coming weeks and months, then um, it bodes well, really. Um, that look at the, the subs bench against Arsenal in the FA Cup and I think, I think it was 10 
graduates or ten kind of players who that either come through the academy or are currently in the academy in the squad. Um, Similar at the weekend as well, depending on what you class Joe Gomez as. Yeah, yeah, and Harvey Elliott as well. Um, and obviously Liverpool went to Arsenal and won two 0 and you know Trent's probably a contender for man of the match, and you know Jones is playing, and Bobby Clark and Conor Bradley are coming off the bench, and just. No, it was fascinating hearing Linda's talk about the young players today, and he kind of says that they don't let you down, do they? You know, that's why they love young players, him and Klopp, because they don't let you down. You know, every time they get these opportunities, they're absolutely desperate to show that they can perform. And, um, you know, I think they've had their opportunity too because of the injuries. Um, and there just seems to be a real good feel, feel good factor around the, the whole club at the moment for me. Um, you know, the youngsters have stepped in superbly and um, now that they're getting the senior players back one by one, there, um, there's not many not many things that you can look at and kind of point a finger at or have a grumble at or criticise at the moment. It just seems to be that everything is going um, swimmingly. Now, we have had a, a couple of questions on YouTube, so I'll throw them your way. You'll be glad to know nothing transfer-related, so you can relax a little bit. But though the first one is uh, about officials. How do you feel about Paul Tierney cho- being chosen as the ref for the Chelsea game? Now, no, you're not going to be thinking about Chelsea anytime soon. There's still two games to go. Yeah. But that comes from Sean P. Casey. So, yeah, Paul Tierney again. <clears throat> do you know what? I mean, I, I try not to, to be too concerned about who the refs are. I know a lot of supporters get riled up by the identity of of who the referee is going to be and um, I can name a few former colleagues who used to share similar kind of frustrations when when the refs were named during the week but it never really bothered me I I kind of feel that if Liverpool are going off on the day that you know they'll win the game and I don't really worry about it too much but certainly it might be something for Klopp to consider he's been very outspoken hasn't he to say the least about Paul Turning in the last sort of six to eight months um was it the Tottenham game where he, he says, I don't know what his problem is with me or said, I don't have a problem with any any referee except for him. It was a, a weird kind of fuse. So when he did his hamstring, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was the one when he was celebrating the goal. But, um, look, it's one of those things. I, I think generally the, um, the the general standard of, of refereeing needs to be improved. I think that was something Liverpool were, were aiming to work towards when they brought out the, the statement that got ridiculed at times by other fan bases and whatever else. But... Um, in terms of Paul Tierney specifically, you know, it doesn't really bother me too much, if I'm honest. But uh, I know some supporters do get to wind up at such um, appointments, shall we say. Touching all that, it's what's amused me, I think, from, was it Gary Neville who's come out and said, oh, Liverpool have started this by asking for apologies and mm. sending statements out. You need to remember that the two decisions that the officials have said they've got wrong were a goal that should have stood and a penalty that should have been given against Arsenal. It's not the same as some of the decisions where a player's been pushed over in the box and isn't, yeah. or isn't a penalty. Liverpool have been wronged a couple of times here. Yeah, they've I'm, still got a lead. I mean, there's a there's a difference, isn't there, between a subjective one and, and an objective one, and, and that Lewis Diaz goal at Tottenham was, should have stood. You know, yeah. um, it should have been a goal, could have been totally different results, totally different outcome. Liverpool could have a healthier lead than they do at the top of the Premier League at the moment. Um that was just a farce that should never have happened. Now, other things like Arsenal, Mikel Arteta being particularly furious at the, the pushing the back against Newcastle, I actually thought that was a foul. I could see his point. But when clubs are bringing out statements for, for those sorts of subjective calls, and I've seen Nottingham Forest have, have done it, haven't they, for having Tony moving the ball with his yeah. free kick at the weekend, it seems to be a little bit of a trend at the moment just to kind of um, come out and 
berate the officials and and all that type of stuff. And I, and I do agree that they're not. You know, they don't cover themselves in glory with some of the things they do. Justin Clive, for example, Curtis Jones at Tottenham, they're similar incidents for me. They're either both sendings off or neither of them are sendings off, not one or the other, um, which is how it transpired. And VAR, for me, it kills the game. I, I must prefer the League Cup when it's not really in action. You don't really think about it, you know, too much do you when an incident is or is, isn't, you know, the refs blow up. Um, but it's kind of the way of the, of the, um, the football landscape now, isn't it? Everyone kind of talking about refs and I, I, I hate it to be honest it, it, it dilutes it for me I don't know what you think but um, I just think this constant kind of focus on the decisions um, dilutes from the game but on the flip side I can kind of see it sometimes with, with how you know head scratching some of the decisions are from them but um, yeah I mean I don't know, don't know where you stand on it all I feel the officiating's been getting worse it certainly seems there's more scrutiny on this year and the mm. referees are, are buckling more under the pressure that the fact that technology was brought in to clear up the clear and obvious areas errors now it's just making it more and more confusing yeah. the fact that we're wanting to go back to purer times when you could just make an accept, a mistake accept it and move on there's got to be some middle ground there but I think it's quite telling this season where if it had been last year and Liverpool had this lengthy injury list and all these decisions were going against them Klopp would be fuming it would be such a big deal in the press in every press conference whereas it's something we overlook like They've had a goal that was should have stood against Tottenham, and yeah. it was a big thing at the weekend uh, when it happened. But they've moved on since. It hasn't really been a big deal for the rest of the season. Same as the injury list, where you should compare a Tottenham, a Newcastle, a Manchester United. All these teams that have needed the excuses have used the excuses. It just goes down to if you win games, who cares? Yeah, I mean, one thing, I, one thing I did notice actually, I don't know whether it was coincidence or whether the PGA, PGMOL have um, kind of convened during the, uh, during the break to, to make it a thing, but I didn't really see VAR intervening much in, in any of the games I saw over the weekend. I don't know whether, <clears throat> like I say, that's just a coincidence or what, but normally... It could be because it's the winter break and it's like half the games, isn't it, each weekend, potentially, less well, things are happening. Yeah, well, there is that, but it's just generally game to game. Like, I don't remember it getting involved at all against Bournemouth on, on Sunday, you know, you normally... It, it should have done for private. It should have done, yeah, yeah, but... Um, I just don't know whether that was like a directive just to kind of raise the level of its of its um, use and, and its introduction. And I'm all for that, to be honest. I think VAR probably does have a place in the game, but the level, the kind of bar for, its, for it to be used needs to be a lot higher than it is at the moment. Now it's just any decision VAR has a look at it as well. You know, it should be reserved for absolute stonewall calamities like the Azar at Tottenham and, you know, those types of... Huge errors, but um, it's too um, too omnipotent for me across football. It's everywhere, isn't it? But um, yeah, I, I, I hate talking about it. It's, a, it's one of the most boring topics for me. And, and we've given it a good few minutes. Yeah, we've given it about five minutes. So let's get back to the football. We've got a couple more questions in. Um, one of them is back to the injuries. And I know we've touched on Thiago and Bessetic, but is there any new news on them? I'm not sure if there has been since uh, Klopp spoke about it about a couple of weeks ago. What's the latest update that you've heard? <clears throat> Nothing really. It's, um, it's one of those, isn't it, where. Klopp kind of said, essentially, stop asking me about it a few yeah. months back. And, you know, I think he put like a January timescale on it to the point where he's kicked it down the road there. So if you're, asking, if you're getting to ask the Englop one question a week, you're not going to ask about Thiago or Bichette. It's because he's already said, we'll load out till January. So um, nothing nothing lately. I thought the fact that Linders hasn't provided an update today is probably telling enough that they're not yet near to, uh, to comebacks. And um, we'll just await the latest developments but um, 
it's a shame with Thiago because I thought he probably had a big role to play this season and he has kicked the ball as he was edging towards February. So that's quite um, quite sad, really. It's uh, th- there's been no talk of him meeting with is it was it Fluminense, Fluminense or Flamengo? Flamengo, yeah. The talk of that was was dismissed over the weekend. Liverpool very much preparing for life with him. You know, once he is back for the rest of the season, and then. I guess we'll see. Probably expecting him to leave as a free agent, but um, certainly Liverpool not looking to to move him on this month. Obviously, they're players at very different stages of the Liverpool careers, and you almost forget how young Bassetic is because of the impact he had last year. But with Liverpool going for four competitions, there's almost an argument to just hold him back until pre-season. That's what they did yeah. with Joe Gomez yeah. when he did the was it the knee injury when Klopp first came in. Mm. He didn't really come back again until seventeen eighteen. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, particularly with. You know, the longer the season goes on, the more important each game becomes, doesn't it? And you'd be reluctant to throw someone in who probably hasn't played for the best part of a year by the time he's back. You know, his last game was Bournemouth, wasn't it, in, in March last year. So uh, it's a long time out for, for such a young... But, well, I know he, he kind of featured for... Was it 45 minutes in uh, Lask? Yeah, he, and he's on the bench for or came on as a sub for the League Cup game at Leicester, potentially, I think. Yeah. But that might be it. Yeah, so, so other than that, he, he really hasn't played much, has he? So, yeah, th- there is there is a... School of thought for that, you know, particularly given the rest of the midfielders are, are flying, aren't they, at the moment with, you know, McAllister Jones. And though when he comes back, he, he was in a real good run of form, wasn't he? And, and we hope Zabos like kind of picks up speed when he comes back as well. So, yeah, that, that, that that's a good point. Um, you know, he's only 18, I think, still. Um, no real need to rush him. And certainly someone in Liverpool are going to be able to count on for, for years to come. That question was from a Shane Jay, and the next one's from Nathan Quinn. Uh, I think you covered this one in the transfer diary earlier this week. Uh, any truth about Mamadou Sonko rumours? Apparently, Liverpool are interested in him. Is he the, the young Swedish winger? Yeah, he's, he's playing for. Um... I can't remember who's playing for now. <laughs> I only wrote that, didn't I? Have a little Google. Yeah, um, it's the spawn director got asked, and, and he basically said, we know, we, it's going to be a big fee to prize him away, and um, that fee was around about £6 million. Pound, um, when it was translated across in the um, the currency converter. BK Hacken. Hacken, that's it, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen so much of him. I don't really know a whole lot about him, but he seems to, um, seems to be an emerging talent in Swedish football, young striker, 18 years of age. Just got called up to the Swedish national team, actually, um, by the caretaker boss who had him with the 21. So certainly someone with, with a good future. But he, he was asked about Liverpool, and, and I think he laughed her off. He said, well, if Jürgen Klopp... Um, is interested. I don't think he's going to call me directly. I think he's going to speak to me agent first. And he said his, his friends are Liverpool fans, and they've asked him to join them. And he's just kind of laughed it off. But um, other than that, not aware of, of anything imminent. Well, I don't think we can put it off any longer. Mohamed Salah side mm. uh, injured on the 18th, and there seems to have been a new update pretty much every day from this. From oh, he's going to miss two games. He's going to miss three games. He's going to miss yeah. four. He's coming back to Liverpool. Egypt not being happy, the entire coaching staff not being happy, the entire nation not being yeah. happy. Uh, what have you made of this whole saga? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, it's a good job he doesn't get injured much, isn't it? Because this is the kind of fallout that you're getting from um, what is a relatively um, you know, run-of-the-mill hamstring injury, you know, back injury, however you want to refer to it as some conflicting reports on, on that alone. Um, so he, he pulled up, didn't he, midway through the 2-2 draw with Ghana, um, went off, bit of a precaution, he was on the sideline cheering him on and, and moving relatively freely from the clips that we've seen of him. Um, speaking to, to 
loads of people who had kind of based at Afcon and based in Egypt on the Friday morning, and the same thing kept coming back. The, they thought it it was a back injury and um, it wasn't too serious. And someone actually said to me, had it been the Champions League final, you know, we would have played on. Um, so I think when Egypt officially updated later that night, I don't think it was too much of a surprise, was it, that it didn't seem to be too serious. They said he was going to miss two games, which would have been last night's draw with Cape Verde and then the um, the last 16 game, whoever that's going to be against. But um, a second X-ray was undertaken yesterday and now it's suggested he's going to be out for between three weeks and four weeks, which probably puts him around about Burnley, does it? Burnley time in the yeah. second week of February. As if it's three weeks, he's touch and go for the semi-final if they're still in AFCON Egypt, yeah. and he could be back for Burnley. If it's for, it's Brentford. And then it'll be, along with all the list of injured players we've covered, that's the one you're looking back where you could have a full, nearly fully yeah. full of full squad. So it's, um, you know, Liverpool... I've agreed with Egypt to get him back to Merseyside. Um, I mean, frankly, they they think that their facilities and their you know fitness team and and rehabilitation departments and all that type of stuff is going to be better than what is available to Egypt in um, in the Ivory Coast. I think they're moving to a city called San Pedro, and uh, that was something that Egypt agreed with. To be fair, I think their team doctor has, has come up and said that today, Mohamed Abuela. He's, he's agreed, and, and that's the schedule. You know, getting back to, to Liverpool, getting working with the rehabilitation staff there, and then if Egypt is still in the AFCON in a couple of weeks, getting back out there and, and see if he can contribute. But I think anyone who's, who's seen Egypt in the AFCON probably knows that it might be a tall order for them to go all the way to the final. You know, they haven't really performed at all. They only got through because of a calamitous error by, um, was it the Ghana goalkeeper last night, yeah. who, who um, should have let it go off for a for a goal kick, he got a touch on it when he didn't need to. They conceded a corner. They conceded a goal from that corner, and Egypt have got through as a result, I believe. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think we spoke on this part a couple of weeks ago. Then me about you know what do we want Salah to do? Do we want him to win it? Do we want him to crash and burn and come home as as early as possible? And <clears throat> I was of the belief that getting Salah to go on and win it might ultimately be beneficial to Liverpool for the the coming weeks and months. But at the moment, I've kind of revised my stance on that, and I'm just thinking. You know, if Egypt go out, just get him home, get him rehabbed, and get him back in the team as soon as possible. But yeah, it's um, it's been a, a busy couple of days for him. He hasn't even played. You know, they, they put him up in front of the media on Sunday, even though he wasn't involved in that game, um, which is a bit weird to begin with. You know, you know he's not going to play that game, so why is he previewing it? And he didn't even get asked about his injury really. So um, definitely, a, no one asked about the injury. Starts before and from the press office. Must though. must have been yeah, because he didn't say too much about it at all. Um, is it um, one of the, 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 the it's Egypt's most capped player um, whose name escapes me? Oh, another one you mean. The um, reporter had a really bad go at him yesterday. Hassan, is it? Yeah, he, he basically Hassan. said, you know, even if he's got one leg, he should, should be staying with the team and, and stick it through because he's the captain. But the reality is Liverpool are getting him back. They're working with Egypt to um, get him as fit as quick as possible. And if Egypt is still in the AFCON, then they'll send them back out and see what he can do. But um, at the moment, that is a big if. I think one of the concerns that they might have had over in Egypt is Liverpool being a bit sneaky here, calling him back, thinking, mm. oh, we could maybe play him against Arsenal and then send him back. So obviously that is not allowed. If they even tried to do that, FIFA would come down on them and they'd 
ban him for a couple of games or something because we saw it with Joel Matip didn't we a few years ago when he refused to call up for Cameroon yeah. and then he couldn't play for Liverpool for a month but obviously there is a, a, ten, a, a fracturous uh, relationship here between club and country it is a, a proper traditional club and country row you just need to look at the, the quotes from the Egypt manager last night I'm not sure if you've seen them but he's had a dig at Liverpool he's had a dig at Salah's agent he's basically had a dig at them assuming that the medical staff they've got is going to be better than what Egypt have got and so the only reason he's coming back is because they're going to be travelling all over the Ivory Coast. Yeah, yeah. At least if he comes back, he can just stay at Liverpool and do it all in one place. But yeah, it's been a very messy week on and off the pitch. Yeah, I like. I mean, from Liverpool's perspective, that that's exactly it, isn't it? Rather than having Salah move about across the Ivory Coast and various, you know, um, you know, medical departments or, or however they kind of rehab rehab that injury, he'll be better off doing it and all singing, all dancing purpose-built facility like Liverpool's AXA training centre um, and then get him on a private jet out to the Ivory Coast, you know, in three weeks' time or whatever it is. But um, like I say, it's, that's it's all ifs and buts at the moment, isn't it? Egypt have got to perform without their talisman and we'll see if, if they're still in, in the mix in a few weeks. And I don't know about you, but I, I have a, almost a relief for it that you now know how long he's going to be out for. Yeah. It's not as though you're preparing for Chelsea and Arsenal and you don't know if he's going to come back. Yeah. You can just put that to bed now. We're having to play these games without Mohamed Salah when you're looking for Burnley and Brentford. And it's not as though that the players that are remaining have actually done badly without him. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't kind of subscribe to this thing that it's just a coincidence as well that Salah's been injured as soon as he's left the Liverpool camp. You know, they will have individually tailored programmes for these players to keep them as fit and as firing as possible and that's why he's never been injured for Liverpool you know they've got it absolutely spot on he's also very durable clearly isn't he and he's able to, to play through so it's not a coincidence that he plays a couple of games for Egypt in their their kind of structure of, of however it works and he's pulled up with a hamstring injury um, similar thing with Sturridge wasn't it all those years ago with England you know he, no coincidence he got injured on England duty when Liverpool were very kind of um, gentle with how they approached his rehab and all that type of stuff. And uh, it was never really the same after that injury in, what was it, September 2014. Um, but the, the players, in his absence, have delivered, haven't they, so far anyway? Um, only been one Premier League game, but, you know, you want your Jotters and your Nunezers and the ilk to step up when Salah isn't there and they scored two goals each and Liverpool win 4-0. So, um, yeah, good start. And um, the chance to get to a cup final tomorrow night is um, is a huge one, really, because I remember the impact that it had on the on the squad two years ago. But, you know, just getting there was huge, and then going on to win it just gives everyone a lift, and, and you're ready to, to kind of push on for the rest of the season. Then knowing that you're good enough to win trophies, and and that could be a kind of huge um, kind of unseen motivation for them, really. And obviously you're travelling down to Fulham with a doily tomorrow. How are you feeling about that game? Yeah, I mean, I, I agreed with Doyle yesterday on uh, what he said on the pod. You know, this is Fulham's first ever League Cup semi-final. Knowing they possibly could be playing Chelsea in the final, they'll know by tomorrow night, won't they? So, um, yeah, I think it'll be difficult. It will. Seeing them against the Arsenal a couple of weeks back, um, and they obviously won, didn't they? And um, that was a... Huge result for them in the two games that Liverpool have had with them this season at Anfield have both been really difficult. So, not expecting anything else other than that. But um, I think um, knowing that they're able to rest quite a few against Norwich at home on Sunday, they should be able to name a, a really strong side and, and just about get the job done. 
when we were picking our teams yesterday, it was with one eye on today's press conference and potential uh, injury returns. I don't think anything that came out today changes what happened at all. Like Sabosli is not going to be back. And if it's just Robertson coming in, you're probably not going to start him. You give him five minutes at the end if needed. Yeah. But uh, I'll give you a chance to pick your team if you want one. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... I know, I know we'll go with Kelleher, but yeah. you know what? You've had this debate I've had this before. before yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why the best goalkeeper in England shouldn't be playing, really. But um, Conor Bradley gets another chance, doesn't he? Um, Gomez again. I think probably going to stick with. I think he might go with Gonzalez actually, but I think I'd be playing Canate and Van Dijk just a chance to build on that again. Yeah, when you got Norwich, you can do Kwanzaa and Beck for that one. Yeah, hundred percent. McAllister was, was sensational against Bournemouth, wasn't he? And uh, I wouldn't be playing Jones. I think I'd get Gravenberg a go with Harvey Elliott. Um, and then my front three would be Diaz, Jota and Nunes. Very nice. Mm. Score prediction? Oh, I'd say I think it's going to be tough. Um, I'm going to go with score draw. Let's say 2 all, and then obviously Liverpool through to the final, where mm. it uh, could quite possibly be Chelsea again, couldn't it, for the third domestic final? It's almost there's goals in it this time, if it is yeah. Chelsea. I can't remember the last time any... any I can't remember the last time... It, that game finished with a winner inside 90 minutes. That fixture. I'm just trying to think of goals now. And the last one was what? When yeah. they had the with two all, was it before the last AFCON? That was the last time the goals in this fixture. Yeah. So oh, obviously the one at the start so of the season. So they had the, the yeah. FA Cup final, the Carabao Cup final, the 2 2 draw at Stamford Bridge, the 0 0 draw at Anfield that season. Then you're going back season before that. And um, Are we talking when. Mason Mount? Yeah, Mason Mount behind closed doors. And then Liverpool at Stamford Bridge when Thiago made his debut, wasn't it? That that was that was behind closed doors as well. And Liverpool beat them 5. Three was it? That was behind closed doors. Yeah. So the last game, the last fixture between Chelsea and Liverpool, that had a winner in front when of fans. When French scored the free kick, September twenty nineteen. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, that, that's going back a while. Mm. Obviously, much of this podcast it has been about Mo Salah, so I'll take the opportunity to give a another shout out to our standalone. Now I, I got a slap on the wrists for not being enthusiastic <laughs> enough about it last time. I gave a little shout, so I'll try and be a bit more positive this time. It's obviously a really good read. Gorsty's done a lot of work on it, along with Doily, and as opposed to being a pre-order last time, it is now out available yep. on store in store. Um, what can you tell us about it that you didn't tell us before? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, a lot has been written and said about Mo Salah, hasn't it, Jordan? His um, history-making Liverpool career that started in 2017. So me and Doyle had a, a bit of a job on our hands to write something that was um, a bit unique and a bit fresh and maybe a different angle, but we've given it a go. Um, spoken of, there's a piece about the kind of special treatment he gets within the Liverpool ranks which, um, you know, all players are equal, but some are more equal than others, and uh, that certainly goes for Mo Salah in terms of a little bit of leeway that he gets from the club. I know Doyle's done a, a big piece exploring his kind of dedication and his dietary things off the field that enable him to, to stay in the, the kind of peak condition that he, he was in prior to this injury. But, um, yeah, loads of things, things about what his teammates think of him, how he got to 200 goals, his, his, his top 10 goals, his most important moments, uh, his landmark moments. So... Yeah, there's loads in there and um, it's just a shame that it's coming out and it coincides with a hamstring injury for Egypt, doesn't it? But um, yeah, me and Doyle um, split the workload and uh, it is yours to own now, so uh, get ordering, I guess. I suppose if you're sat home missing Mo Salah, it's the perfect piece of content to keep you going, <laughs> yeah. keep you warm at night. You can read it, remember all those great moments that he's produced over the years. Like beforehand, before we had all these new updates, we were obviously going to do some of his big moments of Liverpool and choose our favourites. And um, it came up on my Facebook the other day, the highlights of the, the 5-2 win over Roma. 
Yeah, he got two goals on that, two assists, and that one gets completely overlooked as one of his big moments to Liverpool. But there's just so many, so so many, and you hope there's going to be a lot more. In yeah, I, I remember that one against Roma, and, and he was the best player in the world that night. It's the Champions League semi final against Allison, no less. Yeah. that first one where he just thinks it over. You know, you know how good Allison is in one on ones. Liverpool benefit from it every week. Just thinks it over and doesn't need for the second one. First one, kills it in off the stanchion. Allison nowhere near it. Set up Firmino. Um, I remember one, and I think it was the second half, where he, he was like a little Maradona type turn and skinned about three players. And he, he was just a, a player operating at the total peak of his powers that night. And yeah, we, we could sit here all day. We could do another hour talking about Mo Salah, <laughs> couldn't we, and all his achievements. And um, what is it now? Over 200 goals for Liverpool. Bring on 300. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's 18 months left on that contract. Um, probably capable of carrying on after that. Could he get to 300? It's um, it's a possibility. That's just almost bringing us into another podcast if you're talking about that contract status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan Henderson, it not going too well with Saudi Arabia, but we will leave it there. If you do want to get your hands on that Salah standalone, it came out on sale last week, I think. So you can go to reachshops.co.uk forward slash Salah. We'll also have all the information in the, the info under the video, and I'm sure it'll be on the links on Spotify or whatever in the, the information on there as well. Um, that's it for today. So join us again on Friday where we'll be looking back at hopefully Hopefully, uh, beating Fulham and reaching the League Cup final. Looking ahead to Norwich City in the FA Cup as Liverpool try and chase a, another quadruple. And oh, I think you'll probably see Gorsty's face at some point tomorrow as well at Craven Cottage, building up to the game and reacting to it as well. Yeah. But yeah, stay tuned to the website, the YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts. You know what to do by now. You've been following us long enough. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.